Hello, the world. Welcome to Marketing as a Foreign Language. This, the 321st episode in our history. Do you drink coffee? I drink coffee off and on. I'm not judging you if you like to sip on the black stuff. It is truly delicious. And for the people that think I'm judging you because you put cream in your coffee, I don't care. You can put psilocybin mushrooms in your coffee for all I care. It does not matter to me. You live your life. Just love everyone. Can you do that? Can you love everyone? Because if you can love everyone, then you can start to love things that aren't people. You can love this delicious drink that I'm drinking called Zenify, which you might want to try. It's on Amazon and it's wonderful. You can love the crack in the asphalt. You can love the bright sun. You can even love an argument. Can you believe that? Love conquers all. In Latin, that would be amor vincit omnia. You heard that one? Anyway, I don't believe in coincidences. You already know that. My guest today, uh, she and I met on a speed networking sort of thing, and I feel like a planet flying through space. You ever feel like a planet flying through space? And you begin to orbit other beings in space. And so uh, my guest today and I began the orbiting. Uh, she's in Hawaii, which is uh, incredible. She's a lifelong entrepreneur. And I guarantee you, this is a guarantee, uh, she's going to blow your mind. She's going to blow your mind. She's caffeinated. She's on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Sonoy Burgess. I have to say that has been the most epic introduction I've ever received. Well, if you want me to fly around and introduce you for your expensive paid speeches, just send me an email. Do you do, do you do like weddings and graduations? <laughs> I'm what, I, whatever. I'm a hype man. I'll hype you up wherever you are. I appreciate that. I could do first, I, I I could do first dates. How, you know, like if you have a date with somebody, I could just roll up to the venue and you do, do like a full on hype thing. And then the two sitting there, I'm like, so no, I purchase. And you roll up. <laughs> he put his hand around her shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> just like automating everything that's being done and my takeaway from the romance but i wanted to say i am i am working on being caffeinated i it is 7 30 this morning here where i am so i'm doing my best to keep up with your hyphiness but cheers 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 <laughs> to you um so as i mentioned before uh i'm not a big fan of this idea that it's all coincidences i really don't believe that um, it doesn't mean that every interaction I have with everyone is always profound all of the time. But what I find is that by being in that state of um, namaste, if you will, of um, understanding that we are not these bodies and people really have some incredible stories to tell, um, if you can dive deep into their background, um, that you tend to have incredible or I tend to have incredible conversations and and uh, and everyone has has been through it. You know what I mean? So why don't we start with the deep stuff? You ready? So you're an entrepreneur, right? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So what happened to you? <laughs> why, why would you choose this, this torturous road? Oh, what happened to me? <laughs> I don't know. I just liked having, but really what it was from when I was little was just liking, liking uh, having that like extra cash on hand to, you know, do what I do what I wanted to do. I, the first entrepreneurship and endeavor that I've had was, uh, was in elementary. I was just selling chocolates and <laughs> selling chocolates at school to, to help me go on a trip actually to New Zealand, um, with my mom back in, I, th I guess, I think I was in 
what, like fourth grade maybe. And then after that, I liked having, again, the idea of just having cash on me. So even after that trip, I, you know, I wanted to go to the movies, wanted to hang out with my friends and do things that you need to spend money with. And um, I was always pretty frugal with my, with my money. So I wanted to use it wisely. Um, so I was started selling like brownies and cookies. I would put, you know, two in a little Ziploc. I would make them the night before, put two in a Ziploc and sell them for a buck each. Um, and that helped me, you know, be able to go to the movies or go to the water park with my friends. And um, where, where were the adults in all of this that normally just give kids like you money? Were they not giving you money? <laughs> no, we didn't have allowance or anything like that. <laughs> so we am were- I... <laughs> am I am I ruining my kids by just giving them money? No, well, I mean, you have nice guitars and things hanging on the back of your wall, so it seems like we might have had a little bit different of an upbringing. Oh, see, there we, it is. We weren't I, poor; we were broke. <laughs> you know what? That's it. it right there. I love that. You know, so there you go. You know, you talk to people. Um, suffering is a through line in everyone's life. I mean, even, you know, Jeff Bezos is suffering now, like his stomach hurts and he has a headache. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, like his, his left nostril has been plugged for three days and he's got a toothache. It's just a thing. Oh, um, left nostril. Yeah, it's the worst. That's um, weird. so, okay. So I'll, you can already see your financial blueprint in your head. You're like, we weren't poor. We were broke. There's this, there's all of that sort of th- those things we tell ourselves to kind of reframe our, our childhood in, in various ways to um, ultimately feel good about what's happening now. Um, to what extent would you say um, not having what you wanted played a role in your entrepreneurship? Do you think that was pivotal or it didn't really matter and ultimately you would have landed in the same place? Mm, maybe somewhere in between. I mean, beyond <clears throat> beyond myself wanting like that extra whatever cash flow to the movies and whatnot, um, I... I have a family of entrepreneurs. My my dad is an entrepreneur. His father was an entrepreneur. Um, so it's kind of just runs in the family. So sort of pivotal, I would say somewhere in between. I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't say it wouldn't um, impact me at all. Um, but I don't know if that was like the driving factor. I, you know, when you have someone in your family that lives a certain <clears throat> lifestyle and, and you admire it and look up to it and, and you want to, you know, emanate who they are as, when you grow up, um, which I'm very lucky to have, you know, generations worth of entrepreneurs to look up to. Um, yeah, I think that plays a pretty pivotal role in, in who you become. So how much of your life has been influenced by gangster rap? <laughs> Our parents didn't like us listening to it, but I, you know, we had friends. <laughs> you know, for some um, reason I looked at you and I was like, this is someone who likes gangster rap. I don't know why. Just kick it off that vibe. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's my hyphy music to, to work out. You can't get, can't, you know, call it green by schoolboy Q and Kendrick. You can't, can't go without it. So. Wow. Well, there you yeah. go. Um, so, um, so what entrepreneurship have you done in particular? I know there's some real estate investing stuff. Walk me through the different endeavors uh, that don't include selling marijuana lace brownies to elementary school kids. No, no. Um, well, so after, you know, all the goodies and treats and musubis and whatnot, <clears throat> um, in high school, I started my own, or middle school to high school, I started my own uh, jewelry company. 
So what I would do is I would go to the beach right down the road from my house and find uh, sea glass and seashells. And then would go to Walmart and buy their, you know, cheapy little jewelry kits and would put together and make jewelry sets. So earrings, uh, rings, necklaces, bracelets, and would sell them to my to my friends in middle school and high school. And I had a pretty solid, you know, steady flow of customers for, I think I did it for about two years. I even had a Facebook page. Um, and one of my girlfriends was a uh, a photographer and even now she's a very um very productive on a photographer in hawaii um i was one of her first you know businesses that she <laughs> took pictures of us and my girlfriends who modeled my products and we put it up on my facebook facebook page and um you know i posted each individual item and if you wanted a if you wanted an item then you would just message me on facebook and i'd bring it to school the next day and and i sold them for cheap like you know five dollars for for a pair of earrings and i was very happy with my income so that was probably like the first like big deal entrepreneurial thing and how um, old were you again remind me um i must have been like 14 15. okay so a lot of kids would take that and they would like I don't know. They'd buy like marijuana and clothes and stuff. I mean, what did you spend your money on? I wasn't in the marijuana scene at 14 or 15 just yet. And clothes never really, I don't know. I can't, I can't have a hard time spending my money on, on like clothes. Um, I, I like to spend my money on experiences. So again, I would save it up for, for going out with friends or for potential future trips and, um, and I gotta admit, food. Spend my right. money on food. Yeah. Okay. So you were you were baller status, or at least you could keep up with the rich kids, right? Whose mom and dad just gave them money and and whatever. Did you ever feel um, jealous or angry that you had to do all this stuff, and meanwhile, dude over there just has a nice car, and mom and dad are just shoveling him money, and he doesn't have to work for it, and that dude's stupid and I hate his stupid face. Of course I wanted to say, no, I was never jealous. I love the entrepreneurial have to fight for yourself <laughs> lifestyle. No, I'm a great person. Nah, I mean, not consistently. It's not like the, you know, the dredging hatred and, and jealousy is what made me work harder or anything like that. It's just, I had had well off friends who, yeah, who exactly that, whose parents just gave them their car that they didn't want to use anymore, um, and I had to had to kind of keep up. So I mean, yeah, every once in a while I'd be like, oh my gosh, of course you have that car, like you know what I mean, like little things like that. But it wasn't, it never got in the way of my relationships. I mean, yeah, my some of my best friends were grew up very well off, but it didn't we didn't grow up in a very like classist and especially how our school was structured. It's, it's not, doesn't matter kind of like where, where you live or where you come from. Um, I went to an all Hawaiian school Klemeha, over here on Oahu and um, didn't really, doesn't really matter like what status or class I know like certain places in America, it kind of does matter, you know, who your daddy is and what your last name is and all of that. But, um, it was a lot more unifying in that, you know, we're we're all the same people and we're all just trying to go to a good school. 
here, no bite you. So how many of the people that like had the silver spoon crashed and burned that you know? Um, I don't know too many, honestly. We, um, I'm still 25, so a lot of my classmates Oh, are... they need time. They need time. They need their first... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 25 is yeah. I mean, yeah, so. who knows? I might crash and burn, but fingers crossed. Um, yeah, that is possible, but as an entrepreneur, <laughs> you're so used to it. You're just sort of like, oh, there's another. That's very true. You know, like, I mean, that's that's probably this is such a cliche, but like when you're used to getting knocked down, you know, you, you it's sort of like oh, one. You more. just laugh at it, and yeah. yeah, as opposed to people who are like, oh my god, like you know, they've never broken the bone or never had a like mm. legitimate scar or trauma, and that's their first one, and they're 26, and they're like freaking out. Um, Hard to deal with, yeah. Yeah, like boxing is not about throwing a punch; it's about taking a punch. You know what I mean? Because you, you see these people who aren't used to it and they get hit a couple of times and they just throw up their hands. They're, they're done. They don't want to be in that ring anymore. They're over it. They're like, that really hurt. Like, yeah, it sure does. Yeah. Um, so Do you let's watch boxing? I watch. I've been to martial arts my whole life. Did you watch the boxing matches last weekend? No. Was it good? It was good. Like, I'm not – I don't watch boxing very frequently, but my dad and brother – enjoy it especially if it's Tyson Fury fighting and we we watched the Tyson Fury fight and uh yeah I was it it went like this and then oh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna watch the YouTube, I'll watch the YouTube uh, recap of it for sure yeah um, I recommend if it, if it was good plus I don't know who won yet which is great because you didn't spoil it so thank you um so okay so real estate and some other stuff let's let's talk about your adult entrepreneurial stuff that you're into um so let's just do like a recap of, of what you're doing. Sure, yeah. Um, my entrepreneurial endeavors actually kind of um, faded out for a second there when I went to college and I just started, um, you know, getting into the books, getting into my academic career side of things, which kind of took over for, well, four years for my undergrad and then two years for my, my master's degree which kind of in a sense feels almost entrepreneurial, especially masters, you're like focusing on your thing, you know, and you're digging deep into it and understanding it inside and out in order to make this successful thing that will be approved by others and accepted, you know. But um, when it comes to actually uh, starting and running a business, I, um, I got to kind of piggyback off my dad, because again, he's a lifelong entrepreneur himself. Um, we, we have a, a commercial finance business now that we work together. And he actually started it back in 2013 uh, when he had a property management business. Um, he has a, a business owner, you know, experienced the need for access to funding. And a lot of his clients are real estate investors who also needed access to funding. Um, and he, like many business owners in Hawaii, was under the assumption that if you need funding, then you go to one of the three banks that we have here. And if they say no, which they often do to small businesses and startups, you know, then then maybe you have a grandma or an auntie that you can reach out to. Um, and if grandma and auntie isn't an option or if they say no, then you're out of luck. Um, and then he learns about this whole world of untraditional forms of financing, lending and investing and decided to learn more about it, get trained in it and start this business back in 2013, again, as a means to fund his property management uh, company. And in 2013, I had just graduated high school. So I was, you know, starting my academic life. Um, 
And back then, he never really took it on full time until 2020, when there became a very apparent need for access to capital. Um, and banks who were already turning down eight out of 10 loan requests on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, became even more stringent. Um, and I finished up grad school in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic um, and was, you know, looking for work. Um, dad wanted to revamp the company. I was down to get back into the entrepreneurial side of things. And I mean, you know, the time is right. Your entrepreneur, entrepreneurial life is about taking risks and taking advantage of, you know, whatever opportunities present themselves. And it was 2020. We were in the middle of a pandemic. I just finished grad school. It was time to, <laughs> time to take a leap of faith and start building, rebuilding and revamping this company together with my dad. So we've been working together in commercial finance, helping small business owners and real estate investors get access to funding that they need ever since 2020. So who fronts the money? I mean, where How we are structured. Yeah, so yeah. we're structured both like a, a lender and a broker. So um, either within Alliance Commercial Finance itself or through one of our partnerships that we've built, my dad has built over the years. So we have partnerships with Small banks you might have never heard of, medium-sized, large-sized banks you probably did hear about, um, even private lenders and investors. And these are all both local here in Hawaii and on the continent. So let's say there's someone who got turned down from the three major Hawaiian banks. And I know I'm saying that wrong. Um, and no, uh, <laughs> uh, Okay. I, uh, when I hear you pronounce the state, you're saying it the right way, and I'm afraid <laughs> to even try. Um, and so... Um, so they all say no. And then they come to you. Do you ever walk them through what they should do to be more approvable? If that makes any sense, like you're being rejected for like these six reasons. Let's work with yeah. you to, to try to make that, you know, something where we can take on this loan because we've got this partner, you know, on the mainland that would take on this loan, but here are the six things you need to do to make that happen. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's exactly what we do. We, um, when we have someone come to us and they let us know this is, you know, what our needs are based upon, you know, this is what we need and this is where my cash flow is, my credit is, and all of that. Um, <clears throat> either through, you know, looking at their ha having a simple conversation with them or also conducting <clears throat> what we call a soft pool of their credit, so no hard increase for enrollment in one of our programs. If they are approved or denied in that program, we can see just from the soft pool, like, okay, you have, you know, an excessive amount of increase over the past year, getting some of those removed, it would be a good idea for approval rates or something even more simple as that than that is you have three credit cards for a total of <clears throat> maybe $10,000 and every month you're using $8,000 of that either in order to reduce your utilization, which is another major role in approval, um, approval rates and, you know, getting getting to work and get lines of credit. Either you pay down that $8,000, which is like, there's a reason why these entrepreneurs are spending the $8,000 in the first place, or you can request to increase your approval amount. So go back to those three different banks that you're working with and ask, rather than just a $5,000 line of credit, can I grow it to maybe 10,000? And by doing so, maybe you'll grow up your total allotment to 20,000 and you're still using 8,000 a month. That's 
severely reduces your utilization from whatever that was 80% to 50%. Um, we have a saying that just uh, a little tidbit for any entrepreneurs that are listening when it comes to personal utilization of, of credit cards, we have a saying 30% is good, 20% is better, 10% is best. So the lower you can keep that utilization, the better. So, you know, in simple conversations like that, when I'm talking to a client, I'll let them know little things like that. Um, but we also have monthly educational webinars that I've started. So last month was our first one. I did a, a webinar on business credit. And it's, you know, we all know about personal credit and how it affects our approval rates, or we think we do. Um, there's a whole other world of business credit tied to your EIN and tied to your LLC. And that affects your approval rates, you know, not just as much, but it's becoming a lot, it's playing a lot bigger role in business finance nowadays than a lot of people think. Um, so, and then this upcoming month, uh, we'll, we're going to dive into what makes you financeable and the different forms of business financing. Do you ever charge people for that or is that all free? Um, no, all free. The only way that I make money is if my clients get the money they need. Okay. So to anyone listening, that's, you know, you should take her up on that. I mean, it's so funny. <laughs> all of these, all of these companies out there that offer these free things, nine times, like it's, it's hard because when you get caught in a sales cycle with, you know, so some of these people who are slimy, you know, they just want to sell you. It's so obnoxious. Like, like I got a text today. This guy's like, Hey, is this Kellen from send it rising? I'm like, yes. Good morning. How are you? He's like, are you interested in sales leads? You know, goes into his whole thing. And I'm like, how much? And he's like, well, I feel like if I tell you, I'll be dead in the water. Uh, I'm like, bro, you're dead in the water if you don't tell me. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, just, you know, like how much? You know, like to me, that like that that number is just, it's not that hard to get to how much. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, when people are really, I mean, I guess I'm being sort of full of it because when people come to me, I'm sort of like, I'm not sure what you want yet. You know, so I, I get that from the sales perspective, like, do you want Facebook? Do you want Facebook ads? Do you want LinkedIn ads? Do you want a website? What's the website look like? Like, I have questions for you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. to, to even like have a sense. Um, so maybe I'm being too hard on him. Maybe I'm being too hard on the guy who just texts me out of nowhere. And I don't know who he Cold is. Cold calls are best for both sides, honestly. Like, <laughs> they don't want to do it. You don't want to receive it. It's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. We actually, it's, when I first started, we were doing like the cold call style and I decided like after a month or two of doing it, I'm like, this is not how I want to grow this company. Like I'm over it. I'm doing, I'm networking instead. I'm, I'm attending BNI. I'm doing I do. networking and here we are. Now I'm yeah. in a room having a lovely conversation with you rather than making cold calls to people on the East coast, you know? Dude, it's so brutal. Um, it is so brutal. It's like, it's like a circle of hell. I think it's like the sixth circle of hell is a, it's just <laughs> cubicles and people cold calling and just disappointment and perspiration and, uh, not enough deodorant. It's, it's a Emphasis really funky, on the perspiration. <laughs> it is a funky, funky place. Um, yeah, and I did it too. I did. I sold auto parts and I don't know anything about car stuff at all. And, mm. um, and it was awful and I made no money. Um, but I'm so glad I did it because it's like you do something to know what, you know, it's like, um, how do you describe it? Like it was so torturous that if, if I'm ever complaining about the way I'm doing things now, 
or my life now, it's so easy to look back and be like, oh, thank goodness, that's not a thing anymore. That's the mm -hmm. wonderful thing about suffering is when we pass through suffering, it serves as this anchor point in the future it's as a point of reference of how good things are in the moment, you know, because of the suffering. Mm -hmm. um, and so hallelujah to some good suffering. Am I right? And then if, if you're in the moment and you actually realize that you're like, hey, this is actually going to be really useful for me in the yeah, future, totally. um, then you're enlightened that you can be like, ooh, look at that beautiful suffering. Like I'm, you know, but that Grateful takes for the suffering, dude. I mean, they, some people say suffering is grace, but to feel it in the moment, that's, that's the true test of human patience, et cetera. Um, okay. Amen. So networking, you're doing that. Um, what else can be done to market this? You can take people nationally, right? Yep. All throughout the 50 states. Okay. So what's so yep. your social media look like? Oh, we're working on it, but we, we do have, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. But um, when you're when you're revamping a brand new business, certain things take precedence. But we understand that you know this should be a prioritized thing because short term versus long term, all that good stuff. But I'm sure all the you know new business owners listening in are understand that when you have a new business, you need to make the money. So you need to do the things that make the money right now to keep it going. Um, so we're not the best on the Instagram, but we're we're uh, assigning whose responsibilities there are with, are with what. Um, so so Dad is taking care of Facebook and LinkedIn, and I am Instagram, and we are working on TikTok. And so the more um, you know, the more content that I can create through these webinars, and honestly, just getting the the balls to <laughs> to sit in front of a camera and record myself doing a 10 second video talking about business credit, like how I just did with you. Um, yeah, just and just post it on TikTok. There's there's a hundred percent audience out there for understanding business finance and entrepreneurs on TikTok. I'm sure of it. Um, yeah, I just need to I just need to do it. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, so keep I, an eye out. Yeah, for I did, it's, it's it's happening, and you're young and you're full of energy and all that stuff. Um, Thank you. So it's just true. <laughs> you get older, you're like, my hair parts. Um, so uh, what's the deal? Um, so a show, I like, it took me forever. So I'm on episode 321 and we've closed two deals through people I've talked to on the show. Um, mm -hmm. And we're developing like an affiliate program and that's exciting. Um, but man, it takes a while. I mean, it really mm -hmm. takes, you know, whatever right. it is, it, it always takes longer than most people are willing to invest into it. That's what yeah. I've learned. It's like when you think about quitting and they do that again and then again, and then one more time, then it starts working. Um, because, funny. you know what I mean? Because most people, can, <laughs> yeah. they can get through like, this isn't working and then they can do it again. And that, but that third time, it's like, it's too much. But you get to that fourth time, that seventh time, that 20th time, and you've really weeded out about 99.5% of your competition. Um, so like a show would be really cool if you guys brought business owners on um, to talk about their business and that sort of stuff. That would be a really good mm -hmm. avenue for you. Um, yeah. And then if you if you do a live show like this, you use Restream and it simulcasts to five platforms like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. And then you take the YouTube video after it publishes and you put that on something called Buzzsprout. And Buzzsprout syndicates it to 15 podcast platforms. And the cost for mm -hmm. those two things is about 30 bucks a month. So it's worth it. Um, and there's a million different places to get guests. 
Um, and then you include links. So you are, you earn 20 links every episode. Um, and you can't beat that for SEO. Awesome. I'm writing yeah. down, <laughs> writing things down. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. That's kind of the strategy on the live <laughs> show. And then what I learned the hard way is that like people want really highly produced, gorgeous YouTube videos. If they're going to sit down and watch them, they don't want to yeah. watch a, They don't want to watch a live show on YouTube per se, but they want to listen to it. So like the mm. podcast will do better than the YouTube videos usually um, with guests, unless you're like a cult of personality and you already have a big audience and they love you for your wacky anecdotes. I like the idea of podcasts too. Don't look at me. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, to, and I feel like podcasts are easier to, to attend to as well, <clears throat> just because it's, well, first of all, Joe Rogan's making podcasts the biggest thing ever. But also, like, we're, you know, when we're driving, when we're working out, all that kind of stuff, like, podcasts are just a lot more doable. And everyone has AirPods now, so, and, or these things. Yep. So. Yep, you got it. 1059, we could talk all day, I'm sure. We'd love to have you back on the show, but uh, why don't we hear your selfish capitalism uh, uh, vocalized through the medium of your uh, organs, specifically your throat. Pitch us. We are entrepreneurs funding entrepreneurs. If you are a small business owner and you need some help getting over that dreaded startup pump, we'd be happy to help you out. We have several programs specifically for startups and small businesses. You heard my story. I believe in entrepreneurship. I believe in small businesses. I believe you can do it. That was a unique one. I never did that before. <laughs> killed it. You killed that one. Sonoy, ladies and gentlemen, um, as she said, she does... Um, all of that consulting stuff is free and people do not take up businesses nearly as much as they should when it comes to legitimate free consulting. Um, it happens with my company all the time. I just don't understand why mm -hmm. people don't do it. It's like, I will tell you exactly what you need to do for free. And uh, mm -hmm. rarely do people take me. You know what it is. They're worried about being sold to. They're terrified <laughs> that my sales ability is too strong and they won't be able to resist my charm and charisma. That's um, so funny. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is the show for today. Uh, Sonoy, final Thanks, word of wisdom. Um, I just want to say thank you so much. This is really cool. I've never done anything like this. I'm super grateful for the, for your time and asking me good questions. Good times. All right. See you all next time. Bye-bye.